0: Right back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome
1: back. We are heading into the holiday season and it is a joyous time for most of us, but it can be especially fraught and difficult for people suffering with dementia and their caregivers and their loved ones, and joining me to talk about the difficulties of living with Alzheimer's disease at this time and any time, I'd like to welcome Kathy Barrick, Chief Executive Officer of the Alzheimer's Society of Ontario. Welcome. Thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: So the holidays do present a particular issue for people and their caregivers. Tell us about that.
2: Well, for sure. I mean, dealing with dementia at any time is obviously very difficult, but as the holidays come about and, you know, we have our traditions and memories of, of family, tr- you know, fa- things we do together as families, it actually, I think it makes the grief and, the, and what you're dealing with maybe a little bit more acute at the holidays because you, it's kind of a really poignant example of how the person with dementia is not the same, may not even be with you anymore in terms of they may be in long-term care. So it becomes challenging. On top of that, Lots of family gatherings, which can be difficult for people that have dementia to cope with and function in, so it, it's tricky.
1: Yeah, I, I, I guess that um, being around a lot of people can be very confusing and, and difficult for them.
2: Yeah, exactly. So for families and for people with dementia, I mean, it's it's really important at the holidays to think in advance about what events are coming up, how long could the person be there, you know, having um, some quiet time alone, things like that. Planning in advance can make a big difference. Mm-hmm.
1: I remember uh, my mother-in-law had Alzheimer's, and and you could see because she didn't live with us, kind of the gradual decline and. W- we always brought her, she, she lived in Peterborough, but we always brought her home for Christmas. And uh, by the last couple of Christmases, I mean, you know, the, the last time she was at our home, I, I said to my husband, you know, I don't think we did her any favors. She didn't even know where she was and, and she seemed frightened mm-hmm. and, and disoriented.
2: And at one point she asked me to take her back to her room. That actually happens quite a bit. So, you know, a lot of times families can think about and it's a difficult choice to make, especially if someone is in long term care. Do you bring them home for the holidays or not? And, you know, as sad as it is, it may be time to think about new traditions. So is there something you can do with the person with dementia that's meaningful to them? As you said, being out of their environment that's familiar is very disruptive and can actually be potentially worse for them. It can be, as you mentioned with your mother-in-law, frightening and, and um, upsetting. So, you know, maybe making special uh, memories, you know, at the nursing home. As a matter of fact, my um, step-grandmother, I guess she would be, has to mention she's in a nursing home as well. And last Christmas, we took Christmas dinner to her. So it was in her environment. You know, we, we reserved the quiet room and brought turkey and all, all the fixings and had Christmas um, with her, but in a, in a place that she felt safe.
1: Mm-hmm. That's interesting, and uh would she would she have had a Christmas with others there, or is it easier for people to you know just be in very very small groups if groups at all
2: they did have Christmas there I mean they had a beautiful Christmas dinner for all the residents for sure, but you know it was important to you know my dad and my stepmom to have a family Christmas, so, you know, a very small gathering, so that it felt actually normal uh, to Julie as well, who has dementia. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: you know, that's one time of year, but as you point out, it, it can be very challenging all year round, and not just for the people, obviously, who have dementia, but their caregivers, like, burnout is a big issue.
2: It's huge, and, you know, you think of every person that has dementia, there's three, four, five, maybe people surrounding them that are affected by that um, disease and caregivers it's 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 a, a real challenge and you can imagine as well you know we've we've heard about the sandwich generation who are caring for parents and kids at the same time those often are women not always but often you know trying to juggle looking after a parent that's not well kids um, so actually reaching out for support from the Alzheimer's Society is is key to get you know tools and support for what you're going through. Mm -hmm. And what are some of the support that you can help people with? We do a lot of things at the Alzheimer's Society. So we do support, so counseling and education and support groups and things like that, just to have an ear of the other people who understand what you're going through. But we also do a lot of um, programs, healthy living programs. So things like there's a program called Minds in Motion, where the person with dementia and their care partner come together. They do some exercise exercise have social interaction because staying active actually when you have dementia and and a family member that does as well is actually really crucial it can actually help improve um, or at least maintain your functioning you know lots of times you hear people sort of shrink away and get isolated and, and at the Alzheimer's Society we really try hard to provide opportunities that that doesn't need to happen.
1: Uh, I want to talk about caregivers and and isolation and their friends uh <clears throat> excuse me because I think one of the things that happens when a partner has alzheimer 's is that uh, The couple's friends start to shy away and don't invite them, and and that
2: can just make everything worse. It's true, and you know, we hear that actually all the time. Um, And it's mostly because the other people just don't know what to do, they feel uncomfortable and they, you know, may not want to say the wrong thing. As well as sometimes the person with dementia themselves and the caregiver uh, as well may shy away because they're afraid, you know, maybe the person with dementia might say something inappropriate, things like that. Um, So, what we try to do through education is actually try to normalize it. And, and I mean, the best advice you can have really for, for interacting with someone with dementia is just go with where they're at. If they are talking about something that doesn't necessarily make complete sense to you, who cares? Just carry on and, and try to you know, participate in the conversation as best you can. Okay.
1: Um, I want to give the numbers out again before we go to break. I'm sure that a lot of people have stories to share. We'd like to hear from you if you are a caregiver or perhaps even if you have the early stages. Um, how are you coping? How is your family coping? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 866 740 I'm here with Kathy Barrick, and she'll be happy to answer your questions and your comments about all of this, and we will be right back with more.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio.
1: Welcome back. I am here with Kathy Barrick, who is the CEO of the Alzheimer's Society of Ontario. We are talking about coping with the holidays if you have Alzheimer's or if you're a caregiver, loved one, and also coping every day and what kind of supports are available. We want to hear from you about your stories, about how you are dealing with this, or if you have questions or what you need for support for help uh the numbers before I go to the phones 416-360-0740 toll free one 866 740 and we've got steve in Toronto hi steve
3: hi how are you today
1: fine how are you
3: i'm fantastic um i just called in to say that Kathy Barrick is a spectacular individual okay and, and her and her staff do an incredible job year round not just over the holidays to make caregivers and their their loved ones feel comfortable and be comfortable and I just I heard you on the radio and I had to call in and say that Kathy Barrick is a spectacular lady
1: And uh, do you, are you coping with Alzheimer's in some way?
3: I did for the better part of 20 years with my mother and my mother-in-law and uh, now I actually work a little bit with Kathy and I I do an event every year to try and help out with Alzheimer's so, I, I, I'm at the stage now where I'm able to give back. Mm-hmm. And it's because of people like Kathy that help me be in a position to do so. So, uh, I just wanted to call in and say hi, Kathy. And she is spectacular.
1: Okay. <laughs> and you're sure he's not a relative? <laughs> no. I
3: didn't
1: set this up, but thank you, Steve. Uh, okay. Okay. Kathy said, thank you, Steve. Uh, I forgot to turn her uh, mic back on. And, um, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of, of having the right person to talk to. But what about the issue of getting enough respite or time off for a caregiver?
2: That is really, really important. And even what we've actually found is, I mean, the more time, the better, for sure. But even small amounts of respite make a huge difference to caregivers. So, um, you know, even if you're a neighbor of someone who has uh, dementia, offering to go over and, you know, hang out with the person for an hour or two so the caregiver can get away and get their hair done or whatever the case may be makes a huge difference. I mean, obviously, the more, the better. Um you know, and, and we as a society, as a community, need to make sure that we have adequate and, and proper respite for people.
1: Yes, yeah, so, I mean, it, it's, it's hard to imagine, but uh, a lot of people, like, they need someone there all the time. That's right.
2: Yeah, as the disease progresses, leaving someone alone is not an option. And so imagine, you know, we actually, I remember one situation where a caregiver couldn't get out of the house to walk the dog, you know, to take the dog out to do its business. You know, it, it's things as simple as that become very complicated.
1: Okay, let's take a call from Betty in Stouffville. Hi, Betty. Hello. How are
4: you? Uh, uh, I, my husband's been in a long-term home now for about three months. He's 86, and we'll be married 66 years next week. Wow. wow. I'm finding it very difficult after all these years that he's in this condition, and uh, he I don't know if he actually knows who I am anymore. Um.
1: That's, that's uh, my heart goes out to you. That must be so tough.
4: It's very sad, and uh, we're wondering just what to do about Christmas. I have a family of four, two boys and two girls. One boy doesn't even go to see him because he says he can't stand it and all this, so he's not much help. Um, but uh, we did bring him home once. And he got very agitated, and that was about maybe a month ago. He didn't know, remember anything about the home he's been in about 40 years. And after a while, he said, I want to go home, Mm -hmm. meaning the long-term place.
2: Yeah, that happens... A lot. It's not uncommon, but it is, like you say, very upsetting for you. So, it you know, I would suggest, especially if you think that bringing him home... I'm
4: sorry, I, I'm not hearing you very well.
2: I, I would say if you think, you know, bringing him home over the holidays might be more upsetting, maybe talk to the nursing home where he is and mm-hmm. see if there's, you know, a little private room you could book and just have a little holiday celebration just there um, mm-hmm. with you and your family.
4: That might work out better.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You no, know, bring him in a, you know, bring him in some turkey and whatever your holiday traditions were. Mm-hmm. And uh and just try to celebrate quietly there with him. It might be, you know, less disruptive for him and more enjoyable for you too. You don't have to to worry about him being, you know, upset. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult though, especially and at this is time of year. And I'm
4: alone in the home um, because it's not very good weather to think about the selling and I don't have any help at the present time, so I'm just staying here right now.
1: Uh, Let me ask you this, before he moved into the home, were you his main caregiver? Oh yes, I've been his main caregiver since he
4: was diagnosed six years ago.
1: So, so it. I mean, I, it must be a huge transition for being a basically a full time caregiver without a moment to yourself. To suddenly being alone in presumably a pretty big house, um, and you know your job is is gone. Is am I right?
4: Um, my daughters, they help when they can, but one's in Belleville, and the other one's a, a school principal and. She tries to come on some weekends, but they're very busy. So right. I do have friends in this little community.
0: I'm in Lemonville,
4: and uh, I go to some meetings, Alzheimer's and so on, and I try to keep busy. I'm very active. I'm 84, but I'm very active at the church, and uh, I I just have to keep going so I don't think that much.
2: Well, hang in there, and I know at the beginning you said you weren't sure if your husband recognized you anymore, but I always say he may not know exactly who you are, but he definitely will recognize a friendly face and a kind gesture, so just just keep trying to focus on that, but it's very difficult.
4: Well, my prayers go out to all of them, because once you go through the doors to that place, there's a lot of them, and it's very sad. It is. Mm-hmm. It, it It is, Betty, and
1: thank you so much for sharing your story with us, and all the best to you for the holiday season. And to you, too. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, well, uh, it's difficult all around, and, you know, I know some people who, as difficult as it was when they were caregivers, when they stopped being caregivers, it was also difficult.
2: It is very difficult, especially that transition period. Um, you know, if, if the person with dementia does move into long-term care, it's very hard to sort of find your balance. And like you, we just said to Betty, you know, having all this time now on your hands when you had been previously being a full-time caregiver can be tricky. So, I mean, Betty's doing it well in that she's very connected and has friends. And is active, which is obviously what we would um, encourage. But it's a whole new kind of grief. I mean, it's you know, Alzheimer's is sometimes referred to as the long goodbye because it takes you know such a long time for the disease to progress. And when people move into long-term care, that's a very acute moment of grief that you know that things are really changed um, permanently.
1: And and after that, uh, you know, when the person passes away, um, a a woman named Joan Sutton, uh, who now lives in New York used to be here, wrote uh, the, uh, the Alzheimer's diary with her husband. And she described terrible grief after he passed away and that a lot of people didn't understand it because they assumed that the emotion would be more relief after all that time
2: yeah we hear that a lot actually and often caregivers are surprised by the amount of grief they experience after because they expect that you know they've been saying goodbye for a long time and it's um difficult being a caregiver and you know the person is you know you know suffering you could say with with the disease but yeah they're surprised at how grief-stricken they can become
1: yeah and it can take uh, quite a while for sure. Uh, so there are all these issues. Uh, let us take a call from Mike in Mississauga. Hi, Mike.
4: Hey, thanks for taking my call.
1: You're welcome.
4: Finally, no rain today.
1: Okay, yes.
4: Uh, just two points. Uh, I heard, I don't know if this was fake news or not, but I heard uh, maybe a week ago that some 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 uh, research facility has come up with some sort of immunization for Alzheimer's. Have you heard about that? Uh
2: yeah, I did hear about that. Um, I believe it's uh, in the very, very early stages. It's still in animal testing, but I think they're looking to go to uh, to human trials. Wouldn't that be something?
4: And I just another another question: What happens to those people that you know that are, are widowers, or and and they don't have any children, and and then all of a sudden they develop Alzheimer's and they're alone? Who looks after those people? Who looks out for those people? What happens to them? Do they just get shells somewhere?
2: Uh, We try for that not to happen. You raise a really um, difficult situation, though. I mean, lots of people have... you know, friends and communities often uh, surround that person. Um, but often, you know, it might be a family doctor or a neighbor who kind of picks up um, at first what's wrong. The sooner people get connected to the Alzheimer's Society, the better because we can actually help um, support people and get them connected to services so that they're not um, left, you know, out there on their own. But it is, it's, a, it's a tricky situation for sure.
5: Okay, well, that's it. Thanks. Take okay,
1: care. thanks, Mike. Let's go to Irene in
5: Mississauga. Hello, Irene. Oh, hi. i just like to ask some suggestion. I have a friend who has Alzheimer's, and uh, he's in a long-term care, and uh, I spend my most of my time with him, but uh, he's missing his son, his son, never go and see him, doesn't call him. I I don't know what to do. He has one sister, and she's living in B.C. I try to be with him most of the time. I was there last Christmas, celebrated Christmas with him, but uh, it, is, it is difficult when at to his son. Well, I
2: think I would first say he's obviously very lucky to have a friend like you who spends so much time with him. So thank you for doing that. I guess, I mean, I don't, I don't know. So You know, sometimes people just can't handle it. You know, sometimes if there's family dynamics in families, you know, before dementia, they carry on, you know, in, in through the dementia process. So sometimes, you know, families can be complicated. So I don't know if there's any of, of that there. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess I think the best you can do as his friend is, A, keep doing what you're doing and being supportive of him, you know, maybe... Sometimes when people are nervous about going to see people um, that have dementia, it's because they're uncomfortable. They don't know what to say or do. So sometimes actually having an activity that you can do together. So maybe, um, for example, at the nursing home, maybe they're having a holiday concert that the son could come to that wouldn't necessarily require too much of interaction if he's, uh, if he's uncomfortable, but he could at least be there. Sometimes yeah, things I, like that I help. I
5: just uh, went to a concert there, and uh, he was quite happy.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: And uh, he was singing the Christmas carols and things like yeah, that. Yeah,
1: people with dementia respond very
2: well to music. Music is magic for people with dementia. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You might well, even try yes. Facetiming <laughs> if you can Skype or Facetime or something like that. Maybe that would help.
1: Does it ever help to point out to someone that if they don't do this, they they
2: probably will regret it later? Depends on the but person you say it to.
5: <laughs> okay. Yeah. It, it is a shame. Yeah. It is a shame, and uh, I I have quite a hard time with it, to uh, deal with family situation like that. And uh, sometimes I just don't know what else to do. I think still being
2: a great friend to him is probably the, the best thing you can do.
5: Well, I am the only one who care about him. Well, he's lucky. Nobody else. yeah.
1: Yeah, that's that's very difficult. But I think, um, as Kathy said, uh, good on you for doing what you're doing.
5: Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you.
1: Okay, Irene, thank you very much for your call. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye, bye. Okay. Um, before we go, I know that November is.
2: Make a Will Month which is your campaign tell us a little bit about it so one of the ways that people can support the work of, uh, you know, charities like the Alzheimer's Society and many more is actually leaving uh, money in uh, our will to charities. And, and lots of people don't necessarily understand how easy it is to do. And even if you don't, you're not sitting on millions of dollars, you can still make a very substantial gift to, uh, or a meaningful gift, I should say, to a charity that actually can help your estate. So the best thing to do would be to talk to your financial advisor, your accountant, and talk about... Uh, leaving a gift in your will to your favorite charity and my favorite charity of course is the Alzheimer's Society.
1: <laughs> okay and uh, anything else that you would like to leave us with for people again as they go into the holidays?
2: Again I, I think I would just reinforce what I said earlier is kind of live in the moment and you know do what you can and to include people with dementia and uh, just go with the flow.
1: Okay. Thank you so much, Kathy Barrick, CEO of the Alzheimer's Society of Ontario. That was, I think, very useful information. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Okay. Bye-bye.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.